Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I wanted to let you know about the North American Digital Transformation Online Conference that's happening on February 25th, welcoming over 14 digital business leaders and practitioners from across the U.S. to share stories and insights on their digital business innovation, strategy, and transformation. So make sure you go sign up today at digitaltransformationconf.com. Now, let's get on with the podcast, because in today's episode, I'm very excited to be joined by Cody Kinsey, who is the security researcher at Verona. So, Cody, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about the various things I've seen businesses do that uh, alarm me. There's, we could be here a while. We'll try not to keep people, but uh, we'll do our best. But before we get into that, would you mind just giving our listeners at home a bit of background on yourself? Of course. Well, my job is understanding technology and figuring out how to break it. So people often hear that I work in cybersecurity, like, oh, can you fix my computer? And the answer is always no. I can almost always break it, though. And my focus has always been pretty much on Wi-Fi security and other types of radio communication because it's very ubiquitous. It affects virtually every device that uh, people use nowadays. And if there's a flaw in Wi-Fi, it tends to affect nearly everyone. So a lot of the stuff that I'll be talking about today is kind of focused on Wi-Fi because that's my background, but I also really enjoy uh, open source intelligence, and I have a YouTube channel that I've been doing for the last couple of years that's almost, uh, it's probably going to hit like a million subscribers in the next year. It's at, I think, 700,000 now called Nullbyte. So that's where a lot of people might know me from because I do a lot of tutorials on there, uh, kind of getting people started with hacking and cybersecurity if they're interested. So that's kind of my background. Excellent stuff. A man of much knowledge is what we need. And uh, we'll definitely get onto the YouTube channel a little bit later because I'm a subscriber and a big fan. So it's uh, good to talk to you about this matter because we're going to be delving into, as Cody's mentioned, you know, simple cybersecurity mistakes which organizations are making. But unfortunately, these simple mistakes add up to big issues. So it's good to kind of get a grasp of that. And I wanted to start the podcast here by asking you what really are the basic common cybersecurity mistakes that companies are making on a daily basis? Well, typically businesses like to integrate, you know, whatever the latest technology is uh, that will add some convenience to their business. This could be anything from like a, a wireless ticket scanner to like a wireless security camera to keep an eye on things or other like consumer grade or, or you know, business grade products that have a lot of features And the people that are installing them don't have the time to go through and set this thing up correctly. They basically care, you know, is this thing installed and working and not is it presenting a threat? So there have been a lot of cases where I will begin to, you know, talk to a business or look over their situation and very quickly see like that their their network is like, okay, but there are all these other things they've done to make something a little bit easier or otherwise increase their productivity that end up completely undermining all the security of the network and really any hope they have of keeping people out if they you know, if they really want to. So I would say businesses bringing products in that they don't fully understand and integrating them into their network is probably... Yeah, that's a very, very broad category of things uh, in general, but that's that's probably the number one way I see businesses get into trouble 
when I'm uh, kind of just auditing uh, like a new business and I'm looking at things that they've done wrong that are very, very obvious. But uh, upon a second glance, it's also things that people do like reusing passwords and otherwise just exposing themselves to uh, authentication based attacks that make it really easy for attackers once they know that they're interested in this business to go after them. So I would say, um, you know, on the on the back end stuff, like reusing passwords is a really serious problem. You know, business owners are stressed. They often have to share these passwords. So they keep them really comparatively simple. And they they make sure that, uh, you know, they're reused across accounts because maybe the business has a whole slew of different accounts that uh, are needed for employees to access. If these passwords are used repeatedly, this can be a source of a lot of frustration because they have no idea how people are getting into these accounts. Yet, you know, it seems like these hackers have all this knowledge of like, uh, and they're breaking into account after account after account, but all these accounts have the same password. So yeah, th that would be my top two picks. Although, again, I could make a pretty long list. I was going to say, there's, there's a lot we could kind of cover in that. But when we're talking about core issues, those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. And the password thing is, it's such a difficult conversation to have, isn't it? Because obviously people within the industries, such as yourself, you know the risks and, and you know the detrimental damage that it can do with reusing passwords. But it's so so much harder to get people who have like, 20 accounts that they've got to access. Why should I have to remember 20 passwords? I'll just go simple. Or I'll just change the last number. Uh, and, and that education element is, is such a hard thing to do. And, and I wanted to ask, you know, the impacts of these, what are the detrimental impacts of, you know, I'll put it in air quotes, seemingly harmful, simple cybersecurity mistakes? All right. So I have two specific examples. One of them is in the fashion industry. Um, no, wait, I lied. Both of them are in the fashion industry. I worked in the fashion industry for about two years, and I found that out of any industry I'd ever worked in, fashion was perhaps the most resistant to technological change. Yet, because of the way things are, they were forced to adopt a lot of uh, technology that ended up coming back to haunt them because it was just, frankly, too complicated for them to maintain with the staff that they had. So I was working with a, uh, a fashion nonprofit, which no longer exists, but it had the very funny acronym of FBI. Um, so while I was working with the FBI, they had someone who had managed to log into one of their accounts. And because these ladies were very, very busy, they were constantly you know, going from like project to project. And the overall impact was a single email every year to the billing person, seemingly from the director's email, and it really was from the director's email account, instructing in extremely poor English for them to fill an, a very large invoice to, I think it was like somewhere in like Somalia or like somewhere else where they had absolutely never done business before and like signed like very curtly from the director. Now, the, the director and the person who did the billing were office mates. They were literally separated by, you know, uh, like just a door. So every time this happened, you know, the, the billing person would be like, wait a minute, something doesn't seem right here. And would walk into the director's office and be like, hey, did you write this email? And she would be like, no. And they'd be like, it's that guy again. And this went on for a year because they could not figure out how to get this guy out of their system because they didn't want to reset their password. It, 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 they were worried about, you know, being locked out of other stuff. And this was of to them, a very minor inconvenience because this was the worst cyber criminal ever. This guy had very little hope of actually being able to trick them because every single time he tried it, was it was just bad. 
But the problem was they kind of began to just accept this state of affairs where there was a ghost in their system that would occasionally just spring up and try to steal money from them. And it was just like this funny thing they had to do to catch him every time. But really, this was a huge cybersecurity breach that should have been dealt with. And, and if this person had been a little bit more skilled, they really could have raised havoc because these, these people had to keep things very, very simple for their business. They were not technology people. They were not in a, a business that was focused on technology. They needed to use like email and collaboration tools and very, very basic stuff that doesn't really require you know, a lot of technology to set up or maintain. So they had no IT people. So really, like one thing I, I, that I think is dangerous is if you have a cybersecurity incident that you know people tell you, yeah, this is bad, but it doesn't seem that bad because the impact hasn't been that bad to you yet. You know, somebody in your account sending emails as you or, or something like that. Sometimes business owners wait too long for something that seems like not that big of a deal or just seems like just an annoyance before they do something about it. And that can have huge impacts. So honestly, um, the number one, it's kind of ironic, the number one thing that I see uh, that, that really causes this to become an issue where businesses get breached is they get told by someone who knows what they're talking about that this is a problem and they wait for a very long time to fix it because there's so many other things going on that are profitable that this little cybersecurity issue that ha that's kind of like funny almost because it hasn't blown up yet is just on the back burner. So it was a, an eye-opening experience because to me, if someone was in my account like emailing people, I would change my password immediately. I would enable 2FA. But th that, was, um, that added so much friction to you know, what these people had to work with on a daily basis that they didn't want to do it. So they were willing to put up with someone phishing them once per year, roughly, in terrible English, just because they didn't see it as a challenge to their business. But if this person got wise to ransomware or decided to take a different approach, obviously they could do complete devastation to their business because they could read everything. They could go through every email. They could reset any account. The fact that this person wasn't more creative was surely luck. Uh, because, I mean, obviously... At some point, they'd shared the password on another uh, service, which had been breached. That person had found the email and password combination you know, publicly or maybe bought the data and just logged into the account and made a, a really weak attempt to try to exploit the business. And this was a business that handled multiple millions of dollars per year. This was not you know, like a, a tiny, tiny business. So it's shocking to me that things that to someone who's a little bit more tech savvy would be a huge red flag. Like, why is this random device on the network we've never seen before doing sketchy things? Or why is somebody in our account sending emails as the director? Uh, could that have a bigger impact? Um, you know, not raising the red flag fast enough and, and getting it dealt with from a, the executive level is absolutely the number one way that I see these go from a problem that is urgent and needs to be fixed all the way to a breach that now needs to be cleaned up and a reputation with customers that needs to be repaired. So the, the second example I had was there was a fashion business that offered Wi-Fi to its customers who did not put a very good password on their Wi-Fi network. Now, at some point, somebody went into the business and got access to the Wi-Fi network, went into the router, and enabled remote administration. This eventually led to the router being discovered online via like Shodan or something else, and the default credentials were still there. So this, the router was breached, and then a couple months later, 
the FBI called the the owner of the building, not the business, the building, and told them that they needed to shut down their internet for all of the fashion show houses in the entire building. And this was a really, really big building. This was one of the big fashion buildings in downtown Los Angeles. I won't say which one because I actually really like them, but they they have a lot of businesses within their building. So having to shut off their internet was a huge deal. It cost them a lot of money. It made their it made the businesses really, really angry. What had happened was that North Korea had started attacking Sony from the IP address of the business that had left their router open. So what had happened is North Korean hackers had broken into the business's router effectively, managed to gain a foothold inside this like the the building. The building was kind of acting as its own internet service provider. There was like a weird situation there, which enabled the North Korean hackers to use that as a base to start attacking Sony from within the United States. So there was very, it was much more difficult for the defenders at Sony to do anything about this attack because these people were coming through a legitimate like American IP address that was used for a bunch of different companies' business. And they, they couldn't just blacklist it because these were, you know, these were, this was an internet service provider for a bunch of fashion businesses. So this was like one of the biggest messes I've ever seen result from just like very casually, you know, giving out the password to whoever asked for it and never changing it and also not segmenting the network or doing any of the precautions you can do to harden your router. So anybody that joins your network can't just log in and start changing things. So that's a pretty extreme uh, extreme circumstance, but I have seen it happen. And the actual breach that started it all was a very, very small, seemingly insignificant Wi-Fi breach. It's great examples, by the way. Great, great stories to kind of highlight this issue of things that can start off very small. And as you said in your first example, almost almost funny in a way, can really snowball into something else. Or, or people who feel like, oh, I, I won't bother someone. It's only a little thing, or this won't go any further. You know, we have stuff in place now for these kind of breaches. You know, we've got GDPR, we've got CCPA, we've got other accountability measures. If there are any kind of breaches or issues that can have massive damage for, for an organization if it's found out and you can't have the attitude of just, oh, well, no one will find out. It will be, it'll be okay. So before we move on to the next section, I, I feel like an important question to ask to follow this is, for you, for me, for other people in the industry, we we know the effects of this. We know how to watch ourselves. But when you just have normal people in companies who this isn't their focus, this isn't their daily job, we do this podcast to help educate people. You've got your YouTube show and you go and make appearances and talks. But how do we start to break that down a little bit further and get the education out there and the importance and, and the threats and the dangers, is it possible or is it just shouting into a void at this point? So my approach to this is, is not always well received. So I am very firmly in favor of educating people with just how easy it is to break into a lot of these things and how weak these systems really are if they're not set up correctly and the impact that it can have. I love teaching regular people about how easy it is to hack things because I, I think we both need people with that awareness of how fragile some of these systems are and how they need to be defended. And we also need people with the critical skills to understand what a breach looks like. What do you do when there's a breach? Like what is the right procedure? How serious is it? You know, most people 
don't think cybersecurity is interesting because it's not relevant to them. But that's not true anymore because virtually every system that you interact with, no matter what industry you're in, will be computerized or rely on a database or email or something that would be devastated if it were taken down or otherwise breached. So everybody is now a little bit responsible for the systems that they use when they work in a business or you know in their personal life and understanding that you can you can kick a big hole in these systems provided someone gives you the opportunity. That is really the key thing that I, I try to get across with my education and, and let people know because for one, of course we want people who are interested in cybersecurity who want to become hackers and get into the industry and get cybersecurity jobs. Great, yes, that, that's definitely a core mission of mine. But getting regular people to know that these systems are not as secure as you maybe grew up thinking there were and if you can do, you know, if you can, if you can kick a hole in this system over here, then what about that system over there? Could you kick a hole in it too? Yes, you probably could. And, and getting people to understand that like the security of the things around them is not guaranteed and they play a role in keeping it secure is really, I think, the focus of just wowing people with some of the more, uh, I guess, extreme examples of cybersecurity, showing them how to do things like Wi-Fi hacking to understand why it's important to have a strong password so they know how easy the process is. Like These kinds of uh, educational outreach efforts, I, I think, sometimes get us in trouble because people are like, why the hell are you teaching kids how to hack? Like It seems like a terrible idea. They're going to go off and break stuff. And we're like, that is absolutely the point. If you want people who don't understand how to fix broken things, then you know we won't teach them anything. But if you want people to understand what a broken thing looks like and how to fix it, then we have to get people interested in cybersecurity by showing off, in some cases, kind of the sexiest parts of it. Because you know, there's, for example, in the fashion industry, not a lot of interest in sitting down and learning about Wi-Fi hacking. Why? Because they will never need it. You know, it, it just doesn't appeal to them. They don't see how it's going to uh, affect them on a daily basis. So it's not something that they have time for. It doesn't make money. It's not interesting. So a big part of what's been challenging for me is getting cybersecurity to be interesting by making it relate to regular people and teaching them some of the core cybersecurity skills, which, I mean, frankly, might just be learning how to hack a little bit so they understand and respect how easy it is to do in some cases. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's that Wi-Fi security that I kind of want to shift onto now because obviously we mentioned at the top of the show, you specialize in Wi-Fi security and it's something that you're passionate about. So I wanted to get from from your standpoint, can you tell us, you know, based on experience, just really how important it is? And we can also focus on, especially, you know, we've got this current surge in remote working, everyone's working pretty much Wi-Fi at home. What what threats are we seeing? What What is your kind of advice around this area? So I love Wi-Fi because it is ubiquitous. Everybody uses it and it is easy to hack. The technical expectations or the technical experience that most people have around Wi-Fi is minimal, yet we use it every day. If I was to ask the average person to explain how Wi-Fi works or identify like an abnormal phenomena, they probably couldn't do it because most people just expect Wi-Fi to work. It's just kind of this magical technology that businesses use without really thinking about it. And it's marketed in a way that's really opaque. It's really difficult to know exactly what it means when someone says like Wi-Fi 5 or Wi-Fi 6 or, or something like that. Now, on my end, I focus again on attacking Wi-Fi. So I'm always looking at attack surfaces. What's the easiest thing to do? How can I get into a network 
without needing to spend very much effort. And frankly, it's really shocking how simple it's become to do this. If I really want to get into a Wi-Fi network, of course, first, I'm just going to see if the business policy allows me to just ask or have some sort of reason why I would need it. And then if they haven't segmented their network, I'm in and I don't need to do any hacking at all. But mostly people use technology they don't fully understand. So they buy a fancy router that has features like WPS setup pins that allow you, if you forget the password and can't read it on the back of the router, to like press a button and then authenticate with a short pin, which is burned into the router and can be guessed very easily by the right software. So like a lot of these problems wouldn't exist if people didn't buy technology, which was set up in a way that tries to add convenience, but ends up adding backdoors or flaws that people like me can look for and then exploit in basically the order of what is easiest to do. So, you know, if I take a look at a Wi-Fi network that a business has set up, let's say first uh, I check to see if they're offering it up to everyone and they are not. Then I check to see if they're, they have WPS setup pin enabled and I want to see if I can break in in 15 seconds using something called the pixie dust attack. That actually works in about 30% of routers. So, you know, if you don't know about this attack, then surprise, a hacker could probably break into your router in about 15 seconds. That's really not good if you're a big business that has a bunch of important stuff on your network. So after that, I can also just try to fish the password. If you have an insane super long password, then I'm not going to waste my time trying to like, you know, get my computer hot or paying for like AWS credits to try to crack the password um, against a word list or something. Instead, I'm going to kick you off your network. I'm going to create a new Wi-Fi network that's open with no password that has the same name as your Wi-Fi network. And when you get frustrated because you can't do any work and you connect to that other Wi-Fi network, it's going to say your router just did an update and ask you for the password to continue. Now, I had this happen to me back when I worked at a startup uh, before I worked in security, and I fell for it because I didn't know that the router didn't do this. Because the router does stuff I don't know about all the time as a layperson. So like having it do this thing that was a little bit unusual and a little annoying, frankly, just made me want to get it out of the way. So phishing is so like we talk about email phishing, but Wi-Fi phishing is actually a big deal. It's, it's one of my favorite attacks against businesses or individuals who have really secure passwords, but poor technical knowledge. Because if I can convince them that their router is glitching out and all they need to do to fix it is, you know, put their password into a web form that just pops up, then, uh, you know, the average layperson who's stressed out and wants to get back to their work probably isn't going to think about it too much. And unfortunately, that's probably connected to you know, all the other devices on their network. I can start looking at network devices. I can start looking at infecting computers on the network. It really escalates very quickly. So yeah, that's why I love Wi-Fi research is because it kind of trumps a lot of other types of research. It's like I talked to other researchers like, yeah, I have this great exploit for, you know, this particular program on this operating system. I was like, well, yeah, you got to get there first. Like most computers have Wi-Fi. Most smartphones have Wi-Fi. I mean, even like IoT devices um, and other like random devices you bring into your home frequently have Wi-Fi and those can be targeted separately. So the field of Wi-Fi is amazing because, you know, first I could spend a whole day talking about attacking routers, network devices, taking over someone's network, getting into the network and uh, using it as an endpoint for a VPN so it can be like North Korea and like attack stuff from like some random private person's uh, like IP address. Um, that's one thing you can do. But there's also this whole other field of attacking devices like smartphones, laptops, printers, you know, being able to find out that a printer has connected to another network in the past force it off of uh, the current network and onto a fake one, and then go through the uh, the printed files 
and see if I can turn up some interesting information from whatever people were printing on it. Like these are all attacks that are you know complicated to understand, especially for business owners. And if you wanted to do a mental survey of every device in your home or business that uses Wi-Fi, the number is going to keep getting higher and higher and higher as IoT devices keep you know getting cheaper and more useful, I guess, to bring into the home. So yeah, that's why I love Wi-Fi. It has so much of an impact. It is so easy to abuse for hackers. And frankly, like some of the methods I just discussed, it doesn't take a lot of energy to break into a business, even if they have an incredibly secure password. Mm, which is kind of an alarming thing to to hear and to to realize for hopefully a lot of people when you say that. Um, but you're right, it is interesting. And it's kind of because it provides internet and life to people who need it, they, they don't really think about how do we protect it? How do we make it as secure as possible? So I think that's an interesting area for a lot of businesses to look at, especially with, uh, with what's going on at the moment. Um, I kind of want to talk about this all day, but I know we've got to wrap up the show at some point. So I wanted to finish off by uh, obviously talking about the YouTube channel. Um, you offer a lot of great insights, info security hacking, and just how-to and resources, which I think are really, really useful. So free plug to, to plug the channel for people to subscribe now. But before you do that, can you also share some key tips and tricks that you think all businesses should know? Of course, absolutely. So um, I didn't actually get to share my favorite story, which I can do very briefly as an anecdote for uh, what businesses can do. And that is, um, you know, medical uh, practices have probably the, the highest burden when it comes to keeping their customer data safe. And uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give them, as, as with any business, uh, and this is kind of what I opened with, is when you're bringing a piece of technology into your business, make sure it is set up properly and make sure that it is not presenting a security risk rather than just you know providing convenience. Because that is a huge, huge issue I see all of the time. Uh, now, the specific thing I'm mentioning is there was a security camera that was brought into a medical practice and they didn't know that it was creating a Wi-Fi hotspot that anybody could join. And then by downloading the app of that manufacturer, instantly connect to and begin recording audio and seeing video from the billing department of this medical office. Now, obviously, this is financial information. This is medical information. This is like the, the mother load of stuff you're not supposed to have a direct line you know, out to the world. Yet these, these people had accidentally brought a bug into their office and left it open to the world for an entire year. So if you are integrating technology into your business, please understand how it works. And before putting it in a sensitive area, just ask the question, is this going to make my network more vulnerable by allowing someone to attack this device? Is this going to possibly open up my network to attack by allowing people to join it? Like Maybe I'm creating a guest network because I want to offer convenience to my customers. Well, do I process credit cards on the same network as you know I'm allowing people to join? The asking these questions and, and just taking a moment to understand the impact of bringing a new piece of technology into your business is a hugely critical part of the decision-making process that a lot of people get excited about or, frankly, exhausted about and ignore. So, yes, I would say that first, make sure you're not reusing passwords in multiple places. That's just a, a gotcha. Like, it, we're, we're past that. Use the password manager. Don't do that stuff anymore. Second, don't bring new stuff into your business and connect it to critical systems or put it in critical areas before you understand how it works. Or if you've got someone who could read the manual and set it up properly um, and you trust them, then that's fine too. But don't just bring something in, plug it in, get it set up enough that it's just barely working, and then you know not 
not think about the other implications of that piece of technology. Things are complicated, they're multifaceted, and you know you really have to take the time to understand what you're doing on your own network. And then I would also say, don't let small problems that are flagged to you by people who understand these things go unanswered for too long. It disheartens them. They will not report things to you in the future that are are even bigger problems because they don't think you will act on them. And even though they don't seem like a like a profit center, it's it will save you so much money to patch these small holes because before they become giant explosions in your business that affect your customers and their confidence in you. And if you want to hear some of these other uh, stories we've had of businesses, you can also uh, moving into the plug, check out the Security Forward YouTube channel. Uh, we do the Hacking with Friends stream three times a week now on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, uh, and you can catch us live there to ans- uh, ask any questions and learn about new cybersecurity tools every week. So if you want to check us out, you can also go to hackingwithfriends.com and all the information is there. And you can also sign up for our mailing list and subscribe on the YouTube channel, which is Security Forward Security FWD. And of course, I do other stuff too. If you want to check out uh, some of the other great things that I've done, like talks at conferences and stuff like that, you can go to my personal website, hack.gay. Yes, that is a domain. (laughs) amazing note to finish on and everyone listening please check out those resources because uh they truly are fantastic cody has helped me in uh many a time where i need to understand something and i I quickly go and do a bit of research on there so make sure you do go check it out and cody thank you for coming on to the podcast and walking us through all of this it's been fantastic talking to you absolutely it's been my pleasure and i'll come back anytime Excellent stuff. I'll hold you to that. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We do hope you took a lot away. Uh, The resources that we mentioned will be in the description down below. Uh, If you'd like to join the conversation, please follow Ian360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, we'll be back next week with another Ask the Expert podcast. But until then, check out all the great content we have available at ian360tech.com. Bye.